You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. I'm your host, Jake Painting. As usual, we are brought to you by the Canis Hoopers Podcast Network and the SB Nation Podcast Network. Today, uh, we're about, I think we're pretty much bang on one month out from the draft. So we're going to continue our draft stuff. I know it's been a long haul trying to get through all this stuff and trying try to stretch out the content all the way until the draft. But we're, we're back with Tyler Metcalf. Uh, he's hashtag Basketball's Draft Contributor. He's now with Kane Supers as well, doing a lot of good stuff over there. Uh, what's going on, Tyler? Uh, not much, Jake. Happy to be back on with you. Excited to talk about Power Forwards today. And, you know, finally we have something to look forward to as Timberwolves fans as we're about a month out here from the draft. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's It's been a long road with no basketball. And, and now that the playoffs are over as well, it's made it even worse like there's there's not much not much going on at the moment but we're going to try and power through some draft stuff and, and hopefully this next month will fly pretty quickly past and, and we'll, we'll get to see who the Timberwolves end up on draft night we know they have three picks so it's it's going to be an entertaining night as you said today we'll do power forwards we've obviously gone through the other three positions uh point guard shooting guard small forwards up to now if you haven't listened to those, you can go back and listen to those whenever. They're not really going to clash, so so you can kind of work through them at your own pace. But if you have been listening to them, you know that Tyler is the number one Denny FDS supporter. He, yes, sir. He's been on the Denny bandwagon for a long time. And so we'll start with Denny. He's he's number one on both of our boards, or number the number one power forward on both of our boards. But for Tyler, he is the number one prospect on his board overall. So I'll let you take the mic, Tyler. Tell us about Denny. Tell us what you like, what you don't, and then I'll, I'll fire some questions at you after that. Yes, yeah, so and those who have been following anything I've been writing over the last year uh, know how much I am intrigued and excited by Denny of Dia. Um, for those of you who are new to me, you're about to learn. Um, I th- this guy's been number one on my board for almost a full year now. Um, I just love everything he does. Um, and I don't think he has the highest ceiling in this draft, but I think he has one of the higher floors and with the very high ceiling. Um, you know, he doesn't have that one elite skill like Lamelo Ball's playmaking or something like that, but he just does everything at a really high level and constantly contributes to winning basketball. Um, I I know a lot of people rip on his shot that, oh, he can't shoot. Um, and when you look at his mechanics, it they look good. He's just kind of missing. Um, he had that awesome burst uh, once they came back out of their kind of break from play um, and then kind of came back down to normal. But his free throw percentage uh, after the break stayed up at right around 70, I think low 70%. 
Um, so, and he's definitely working on it. He's definitely improving on it. I don't expect him to be a Davis Bertans or Danilo Gallinari, but I think he will be league average, which opens up a world of possibilities for him on offense because as long as defensives have to just at least respect it, it opens up what he's actually good at, which is creating off the dribble or attacking the rim or finishing in transition. So for the Wolves, I, I love his fit next to Russell and Towns where he can be that secondary or tertiary playmaker on the move and cutting off of Towns' post-ups or, you know, cutting in off out of that pick-and-roll that they run. So everything he does, I think, fits perfectly with the Wolves. I'm really intrigued and encouraged by the improvements we've seen out of him. Um, You know, and defense, I think he's a pretty good defender. Um, He's not going to be an all-NBA defender. But when you look at where he was defensively two years ago, you know, he would rival Trey Young for how bad they are. Um, and now, you know, he's his weak side rotations are pretty good. He's moving his feet better on the perimeter. And he said in interviews that his coaches just flat out told him, don't worry about defense. You know, you're here to score. You're here to lead. Don't worry about defense. He wasn't taught how to play defense until he was like 16 or 17 years old. So the improvements that he's made on that end really suggest to me that he just has so much more room to grow and that he's going to be, you know, a a good defender. Not all NBA, few are, obviously, but as far as, you know, weak side help team defenders go, I, I think he'll be very good. Yeah, and, and that's that was the first thing I kind of wanted to ask you about him because I think there's there's obviously varying reports, kind of varying opinions on, on his defense, and, and I kind of mm-hmm. um, side with you a bit more on that. I think that as a help defender and as a rotation defender, he's a really high IQ guy. I think that like his IQ and, and his knowledge of the game and, and his kind of instincts of, of the game shine through everywhere throughout throughout his whole game. He's just one of them guys who get it. Like, he gets where to be. He gets, you know, he might not have the, he's, he might have some physical limitations and stuff, but right. he knows where to be and, and when to be there. So that's that's kind of the first thing I wanted to ask was, like, do you think he'll be able to guard the, the bigger threes or the, or the bigger wings uh, in the NBA? Obviously, we're, we're considering him as a power forward, but... Do you think he'll be able to guard down a position, or do you think he's mainly going to be able to to help a defense as a as a rotation defender and as, as a weak side kind of shot blocker and and someone who can get get into position and wall up? Um, so I, mean, I I think his immediate impact would be as a weak side help defender, um, and he he does an incredible job of staying vertical. Um, yeah, and and like you said, his basketball IQ is really high. And so is his work rate and his work ethic. So, you know, I expect these, you know, incremental improvements we've seen just continue, especially once he's in the NBA with NBA coaching. And that is his life, you know, with the best coaching in the world. So from the start, I, I think he's, I expect him to struggle as a non-ball defender against when he gets switched on to like quicker guards, you know, most rookies do. Whereas, you know, Isaac Okoro, I have full confidence that he can switch on to anybody at any time and yeah. be incredible. Um, but Okoro's, you know, leagues above everyone in this draft. 
if Dia will struggle on ball because of his physical limitations, um, you know, he, he needs to improve that lateral quickness and just kind of staying in the stance. But again, I just go back a year, year and a half ago and look at his international play. Um, and, you know, the, the jump he's made from then is really impressive. Um, and even back then we were seeing flashes of his weak side rotation, um, and I, I've also heard concerns that, oh, he doesn't have the length to be a rim protector. It's like, okay, well, you don't have to block every shot to protect the rim. Just making that rotation on time and getting there before the opponent and walling up and staying vertical, you know, that that throws off shots, you know, more often than chasing blocks does. Yeah, so, you don't have to be a, you don't have to be right. a shot blocker to be a good, right. a good help defender. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, he... I think he, he'll get to the rim well, like you said, and, and he'll wall up. But I also think that he's pretty promising just in terms of just making rotations around the perimeter. Like, as long yeah. as it's not kind of isolation, pick and roll defense where he has to guard a ball handler who's who's a lot quicker than him and who can really expose his his lateral quickness, then I'm pretty confident, uh, pretty confident that he'll do the right thing defensively. Like, he'll, he'll help the helper and... and you know he'll he'll make the read to the rim. He'll do all that stuff. So yeah, I'm pretty confident in his defense, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. And I just when you talk about you know oh do you know can he defend in isolation? You know, just looking at the other kind of guys in my top ten, the only one I'd be confident in defending isolation is a coro you know yeah, the yeah. the rest are either too big they lack the fundamentals they're inconsistent they don't try etc etc so i mean with denny i have zero worries about his effort out there um i have zero worries about his basketball iq um and i think you know the things that and just, just his work to, ethic to get better as right. well like he's, right. he's a tireless worker from all reports you know from for every source yeah. that I that I've read or heard from about Denny, it's that he he works really hard. Yeah, yeah, and I I just fully expect him to improve across the board on that. And like a lot of the defensive or you know some of the defensive flaws are you know just fundamental things that are things you can improve on, like you know your closeouts and you know pick and roll navigation and stuff like that, which will all come with coaching and you know just reps. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other thing is, obviously, I, I, I'd be remiss to have you kind of spiel about Denny and, and not question the shooting. Like, yeah, absolutely, you, you, t- you touched on it, obviously, and it's, it is the big question mark for him. What I want to know is, if the shooting doesn't improve, do you think that do you, does he do you think that lowers his ceiling significantly if he kind of never is able to to shoot, say, above? 33% or he's never able to, to create his own shot off the dribble kind of like how he is now. Like, do you, Would you still have him at the top of your class knowing, you know, in five years that, that he never he never got to, to another level with his shooting? I Probably not. Um, I and mean, if we saw absolutely zero improvement out of his shot, probably, you know, I, I would, you know, I'd have to lower him just because he, he'd just be a flat-out bad shooter. Um, yeah. You know, and that's as, a hard and that's a hard question because obviously you project growth right for every player. Like it's you, you can't just kind of have your opinion set in stone on what they are right now. But yeah, yeah. Uh, how much is that a really big, I guess, swing that you're taking that he's going to at least get to league average? 
Yes, and I, I just, uh, based on his mechanics, you know, there isn't anything inherently wrong with his shooting form anymore. I mean, b- before their break, um, you know, his mechanics were solid, but he would, you know, either be too hunched over or he'd fall out of his shot too early. You know, it's just little things where he wasn't piecing it all together. And then after the break, it, it looked smooth, it looked consistent. Um, I know Dane Moore touched on this a lot in his podcast um and we have very different views on denny um but you know dane puts the work in him and i respect his views and I, I i just find it hard to imagine someone with his shooting form not at least being league average and the the really encouraging part i know his free throw percentage has been bad for a majority of his or for like the last two seasons but you know after the break he was shooting in the 70 percent so and you know, those first five, six, seven games af- after their break, he was shooting like over 40% from three. I know it's a small sample, um, but it shows me that he's working on stuff. He's actually implementing it into the games, and it's not just all empty gym footage. It's stuff he's working on there and then actually able to translate to the game. Um, and I... I I just find it hard to imagine him, you know, not being at least mid 30 to high 30% three point shooter. Again, not going to be lights out. He's not winning any three point contests. Um, but I, I expect him to at least have, you know, for, he'll have to, or he'll be able to force defenses to respect his outside shot. And if he doesn't, you know, this will be probably a big miss for me as he'll just kind of end up being a tertiary playmaker on the move who's just kind of a rotation role player yeah and and that's the risk you take i guess especially in this class like there's there's no clear-cut guys have number one so you really believe that you can project someone to be you you know to go to another level with one of their certain skills that then it's worth having the number one i think and and i think one thing we we kind of glossed over a little bit in general is is the playmaking which obviously is the is the a thing that has everyone kind of quite excited just because he's obviously six foot nine, he's 215 pounds, like he's a big dude and he can really get going in the open court. Like when, yeah. especially off a rebound, like in a rip and run situation and, and he's just a great transition passer. Um, good in the half court as well. I, I'm not sure he's the guy. He's not going to be a lead ball handler, which I think a lot no. of people kind of hype him out, out to be, especially with the rise of Luka Doncic and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, like you said, as a secondary tertiary playmaker, um, he, he could be really good. And he's he's a genuinely great passer for a six-foot-nine guy. Like I said, not a, not a transcendent playmaker, but someone who can really pass at that size. And and that's a really valuable skill, especially in, in today's NBA especially if he's going to play as a four and with a team like Minnesota or another team that he falls with that kind of already has some some foundation pieces offensively where he can kind of be a periphery guy who who sets up teammates and who, who cuts to the ring. He's a really good cutter. He's just a really smart mover off the ball. Um, how how much do you believe that he can kind of handle as, as a as a pick and roll player, like, do you think he can handle, you know, 10, 15, 20 pick and rolls a game? Like, is that the kind of thing you expect from him immediately? Uh, immediately, probably not. Eventually, yes. Um, 
I mean, we, we, we definitely saw flashes of it um, this season, but his team really didn't ask him to do much of it. Um, he, yeah. he was a little sloppy when put under like heavy pressure. And they're um, a really good or, team. Maccabi was yeah. a really good team. Like for a you know international team, like they're one of the best international teams in the world. Yeah, and they I, have some really big, you know, Quincy AC, Amari um, Stadamaya, like guys. Yeah, that, they're, guys they're, they're guard the Scotty Wilbekin, you know, yeah. easily could have won an MVP. So they they weren't taking it out of his hands a whole lot. Yeah, so Denny, it's not like in a lot of other uh, international situations, but with like Salem Mellow Ball or. RJ Hampton even kind of got similar. I guess Hampton kind of got similar treatment more to Denny, but like in yeah. a in a ball situation or or a poker situation where where these guys were just allowed to be the stars of the team and kind of do what they wanted. Like Evdia was really in a rotation that that he wasn't the star in and that he wasn't allowed to just go and showcase his ability to be a lottery pick. Like he had to play within a team construct, and, and I think that's. That's a plus, I believe, because it really, it really means he's disciplined already and knows how to play in a team and not as a, as a superstar, you know, kind of guy who's going to get the ball whenever he wants and do whatever he wants, and, and right. that's what's going to happen when he does get to the NBA. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I so, and I, I don't expect him to be, you know, that lead ball handler playmaker like Luca, and no one's like Luca. Um, eventually, I think he'll be more comfortable in the pick and roll once he improves that ball handling and with his work rate and work ethic, you know, I keep going back to those and I'm betting a lot on Denny's intangibles, but I expect him to improve to that point immediately. Yeah. You know, immediately I, I think he's just a lot better playmaker when he's, you know, on the move, whether he's running off screens and then slashing to the middle and dumping it off to the dunker spot or kicking yeah. it out to three or running in transition. I mean, his straight line speed is really impressive and yeah. you know really surprising when you first see it, you're like oh damn uh he can move and he's strong so and he, he can get to the rim um and w- once he gets in the paint you know he's pretty effective finishing around the rim which will force defenses to collapse on him where he can you know drop it off to towns or kick it out to beasley or russell or you know so early i you know that's kind of the playmaking role i see him in where he's running off screens and finding those open spaces and creating off the dribble or, you know, setting up on the wing in isolation and then creating out of the drive there. Um, and then, uh, you know, eventually as his game matures and as he matures, um, you know, I, I fully expect him to be able to to run the pick and roll. Again, not like Luca, but competently or effectively. Yeah, and... If you are, which I guess, you know, most people are listening to this, if you're looking at Denny through a, a Timberwolves lens, that's the kind of player that, that, that they do need. Like a, a guy who can who can handle the ball but not more in a secondary role. Like a, a guy who can, to, who can run second side pick and rolls with Towns and, and D'Angelo Russell on the court who gives Russell a little bit of time to, to work off the ball um, gives Towns time to work off the ball where he's obviously so good and, and is really maximized as a guy who can who can spot up for open shots. I think Denny as a four um, is definitely the, the kind of player who who would make sense there. I, I can't get to number one on him just because I'm higher on other yeah. guys, but I but I definitely see the appeal with Denny. I, um, he's nine on my board and you could probably I could probably move him anywhere from like six to ten. Like he's kind of in that range yeah. for me. And which I think is probably 
similar to consensus. And um, yeah, I, I, if, if Minnesota trade down or even if they were to take a swing on Denny at one, like I don't think I'd be appalled by that. Like it's it's such a you know mismatched class that that anything anything goes and. And I think Denny will be a really good player, and I think he's definitely a player who's going to be situation dependent. I don't. I think he's he's prone to bouts of of losing a little bit of confidence in himself when he's not kind of going really well, and I wouldn't want that to happen just because he's drafted to a team that, that uses him in the wrong way and kind of tries to you know round peg into a square hole kind of situation. Square peg into a round hole probably makes more sense. But yeah, like I think with Minnesota, he would be a good fit, and uh, in general, I'm excited to see what, where he goes and how his career yeah, unfolds. Be fascinating. Um, all right, so we're moving on to number two. We've spent. We I think Danny might have <laughs> taken taken the the trophy for most time spent on a prospect. <laughs> like we're 20 minutes in, so. Um, I'm sorry, I can't help myself. <laughs> I know that's all. I feel I've let, I've let you off. I wind you up and let you off there. Um, <laughs> So, who's your second guy? Who's your second power forward? Okay, so my my, my second guy, um, I have him 10th overall on my board right now, um, despite being, you know, almost a unanimous player of the year in college. He's become NBA Draft Twitter's least favorite player in the world, uh, (laughs) and that's going to be Obi Toppin. Um, You know, the, the, the concerns with him are pretty obvious and glaring i mean he's atrocious defensively and he he can't get down in the stance he's you know slow laterally um but i struggle to see a way where his offense doesn't translate and when you look at synergy and his offensive numbers are ridiculous and he's in the 99th percentile overall scoring 86 posting up, 95th in transition, 96 cutting, 98th in spot up, 100% on offensive rebounds, uh, 90th on jumpers, uh, 98th percentile around the basket, 80, 80th percentile um, shooting off the catch. So I, I think he's going to be really situational dependent. Um, yeah. You know, I would love for him to somehow fall to Portland. Um, I don't think he'll fall that far, um, but you know who knows. Yeah, from if, everything if I've read, from everything I've read, the NBA GMs are a lot higher on him than than Twitter yeah. GMs. Yeah, and if it's up to NBA Twitter, I think he might go undrafted. <laughs> um, but I mean, he's he's an awesome athlete, I and mean, he's you know maybe he can kind of develop into like that weak side shot blocker. Um, because I mean, he's athletic, uh, athletic enough to do so, but you know, <laughs> God, his defense is bad. So yeah. I, I get the people that are turned off by him, but I, I, I just think his offensive capabilities are too impressive to, you know, fully pass up or completely, you know, disregard him as a prospect. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I, am one of the people that are like I am definitely low on him he's 17 on my board so yeah it's it's fairly low I think especially to compared to what his draft slot will end up being because I think he goes top yeah. 10 like I'm almost positive someone will take him in the top 10 um obviously like you said the athleticism is pretty jaw-dropping at times like we've all seen the the open court through the legs dunks and stuff which kind of kind of you know 
encaptures what what he can do running in a straight line and getting up off the floor in the open court. Um, the 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 shooting as well is something that gets spoken about a lot, but the the two things that stand out to me on the good side of Obi is uh, one, he's passing out of a short roll. Uh, that that was really impressive, and obviously. It's yeah. something that, that has been spoken about more and more over the last few years just in NBA circles of just how important short roll passing is, especially for a big man and especially in yeah. the in the three point shooting era that we're in. Like you need guys who can who can roll in the pick and roll and, and make quick decisions to, to corner shooters or to shooters in the slot. And I think Obi will be able to do that from day one. Obviously he's he's twenty two, so he's he's very NBA ready. He's physically you know, beastly as a, as a physical presence, a six foot nine, two hundred and twenty pounds, seven two wingspan as well, which yeah. is bigger than I thought. Actually, like I'd never actually looked that up, but like that's huge wingspan for a guy who's yeah. six foot nine. Like, um, and then the other thing that stood out to me that is more obvious, but is just his his finishing around the rim on non dunks, like his the ability to contort his way around people and to kind of um, keep his body under control going for layups, especially you know out of out of pick and rolls and and just in general like in cut on cuts and stuff. He he's an awesome finisher around the rim. Like I'm not yeah. sure how much of that translates to the next level, just because at six foot nine it, it it does get a little bit harder in the NBA when you when you are playing probably at least one you know six foot eleven seven footer a game who's going to be at the rim and obviously some of the best rim protectors on the planet. But I think he remains a pretty good finisher. And and those two things will give him a role, you know, at the least, without even, in, you know, factoring in his three-point shooting and his uh, obviously awe-inspiring athleticism above the rim. I just think the short roll passing and the finishing at the rim uh, yeah. with layups and, and with body control – are really important and and like you said he's he's a synergy superstar which is to, yeah. to take a phrase from from Jack Borman um, <laughs> the the bad things you like you said like it's you don't need to spend an eternity on Obi Toppin's defense that's been analyzed to the T so but it, it is bad like he might be the worst pick and roll defender in the league next season from from day yeah. dot like it's kind of like as a as Timberwolves fans, we're all used to watching Carl Anthony Towns struggle on a pick and roll. Like, imagine that, but like, like twice as stiff in the body and, and smaller. So, like, that obviously obviously takes away a little bit more at the rim. Like in drop coverage, he's just atrocious. Like, drop coverage yeah. is kind of meant to meant to like be designed for for bigs to do less and to have. Uh, less things to think about and more just focus on protecting the rim. And he just seems to be. St- Stuck in concrete, you know, in drop coverage, right. and his his hands are always kind of just up and doing nothing. Like he's not in a stance, or I don't know. It, it, it's it's hard to watch, and I think um, I think he's going to be very bad next season. I <laughs> I think he I think he'll be very bad for his career. But like yeah. you said, if there's any kind of hope, it's that he can become like a, a weak side shot blocker, and that maybe salvages some of, of, of the pick and roll and, and isolation defense. But even then, yeah, you, you're kind of, um, you're pushing the shit up a hill a little bit there. So right. um, I don't, the problem I have with, with Toppin is I don't think his offense 
is good enough to negate his defense like a Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, like, that's fair. like Carl Anthony Towns can be an offensive engine. So even with some of the worst big man defense in the league, he's still going to give you, you know, 26 and 13 a night and one of the, obviously one of the best three point shooting big men of all time. So I'm not sure Toppin can carry that load. I think he's maybe, maybe at best like a, a secondary scorer on a good team. So to have someone who's really not uh, kind of making up for his def- defensive deficiencies with his crazy offensive talent, um, that's what worries me. That's what pushes him out of the lottery for me just because I think he's probably going to have to just be a role player, really, a-, a guy who can come in and score, but I don't think he can really build a team around a guy who can't defend and isn't going to be a 25-point scorer at night. Yeah, and, and that's a tough thing with him now, too, is because, like, at the NBA, I, if he's not paired with, you know, a, a defensive stalwart of a center, you know, their defense is just going to be atrocious. But then the problem with, with that is that when he is paired with that center, you know, the vast majority of those big men are reliant on being around the rim on offense, and Obi is at his best on offense, probably as that, that screener where he can slip or roll to the rim or you know pop out for a three and if you know he's the main screener and then you have a seven footer just sitting under the basket and your spacing's gone all to hell um so and i yeah i definitely did get the concerns i and i he's got he's just so much fun the issue and he is fun like he gets spoken about like he's someone who's just like a a chore to watch but he's not like he He's a really fun player to watch, but he's, he reeks of one of them guys who, who's not going to translate. Yeah, and, you know, it's just like, is this just going to be Derek Williams all over again? Um, I hope he's not, because that didn't work out well. But <laughs> And, you know, as far as the Wolves go, I I don't want them to touch him with a 10-foot pole. You know, if he's there at 33, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 1 or 17, thank God, I, they're... they're their offense, you know, they'll put up 150 a game, but they'll give up 250. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. All right. We'll move on from from Obi. He was five on my list. So, so there's a. I've got a lot of guys in that kind of 10 to to 17 range. Uh, power forwards. Um. One of those guys who I think might be, uh, three on your list is yep. pa- is Patrick Williams. Um, yes, sir. He's. Six foot eight, two hundred twenty-five pounds. He's the, the youngest U.S.-born player in the draft at just nineteen and two months, as it stands. Um, which I think is crucial for a guy who who still needs a fair bit of developing, but but has a lot of tantalizing um, tools to to give. Um, right now, I think it's easiest to kind of fall on over his physical tools. Like I said, six foot eight. His wingspan's somewhere around seven foot, unconfirmed. Um, He's 20, 225 pounds is is pure muscle. Um, yeah. He's kind of the perfect build for a modern day four, I think. Uh, especially when you when you factor in that he has a lot of bounce and the ability to move kind of impressively around the court. Um, in terms of actual skill set, I think he's a little bit more of a project. He he's shown the, the potential to be you know a diverse offensive player who can shoot spot ups. Uh, He's a very good cutter and can kind of poses a lob threat or someone who can who can get easy ones in the dunker's spot. 
uh, one thing that that kind of surprised me when I when I first watched him, and when I've continued to watch him, I'm obviously a big Devin Vassell fan. So so I've watched a lot of Pat Williams with, with Florida State as well. And um, yeah, what surprised me is that he can occasionally run the odd pick and roll, which is mm-hmm. and not definitely not something I think he will be asked to do a lot at the NBA level. But like no. he lo- he only logged. 26 pick and roll possessions. Synergy had him in the 90th percentile in those situations, which is pretty encouraging. He's he's got a, he's got a nice little pull up jumper, and he can he can pass as well. So I think that's not as much that he'll get to play as a pick and roll player, but I think it's encouraging to see him shoot jumpers off the dribble coming off a screen or uh, playmate for for his teammates coming out of coming out of the screen because I think they're still skills that translate to a lot of other parts of the game. Um, defensively, I think he has real highs and and real lows. Like, yeah. I, I wager he'll be a very good shot blocker at the next level, yep. especially once he gets up to speed with the NBA level and the, and the NBA speed. Um, I think, yeah, he'll be a deterrent at the rim. I think he'll be fairly decent as someone who can, who can play and pick and roll when he doesn't have to kind of hedge out. I think he'll be a very good drop defender in the NBA if they if he is a four. Um, uh, he's obviously got such great athletic tools, but but really really slow hip movement. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. A lot like Obi in that uh, sense, I guess. Just just kind of less pronounced, but. He he can't really contain guys on the perimeter and in switches or in isolations. Really, um, he was played as a three at times at Florida State, and he was kind of pegged as a as a three uh, coming out of high school. But I think he's definitely a four just because it'll minimise the amount of times that he has to play play up on the perimeter and have to try and contain guys because once guys get inside his hip, um, he's pretty much toast. And yeah. And that's going to be the story for him. I think he can improve it. I think he, I think he might be a little heavy. Um, he's just he's a massive guy. Like for yeah. for, for a nineteen, you know, just min, freshly minted nineteen year old. Like he's a big dude. I think he could do with losing a little bit of weight. That might make him a little bit more crisp around the perimeter. Um, but all in all, uh, I just think he's a really good prospect. I think he's a he is a bit of a project. He will take some time. I think there's a lot of Timberwolves fans who, who would like to get him at 17 and yeah. just kind of plug him into that powerful role. But I, I don't think he's NBA starter level from, from day dot. I mean, he's 12 on my board, so obviously I'm I'm pretty high on him and I don't think it takes much mental gymnastics to, to see him uh, realizing a lot of the potential that he has. But for now, I think he's a bit of a project to someone who can, who can do a lot of things, who can shoot the three, he shot, I think, thirty-two percent. So not not great, but he he has an alright shot form. It's a bit slow, um, but just a a diverse kind of offensive player and someone who can who can finish with power and who can finish with a bit of touch as well and also flashed a bit of off the dribble stuff. So, do you have do you share those kind of same sentiments with with, with Williams? Yeah, yeah, and I, I like him a lot. I have him at thirteen overall on my board. Um, and yeah, and like you said, I, he's a God. He's built, especially for like <laughs> being one of the youngest kids, if not the youngest kid in this draft. I mean, holy cow! Um, and I, I think he's going to be a very good defender. Um, the the closer to the rim he gets, the better he is. And he's yeah. he's an excellent shot blocker at the rim. Uh, really impressive stuff. Um, 
just impeccable timing um and and his athleticism is obvious um you know when he gets dragged out onto the perimeter he's got really slow feet um you know i i have less could i have more faith that he'll improve in that area than obi will because obi's hips are so high that he just doesn't even bother trying to get down in a defensive stance um and i, I think williams is a little you know lower center of gravity and i i think he just kind of needs to loosen up those hips because i mean it's so easy to to just get on the other side of him um yeah. he's so he's sl- so slow moving his feet and hips um but he has the athleticism that you know kind of suggests that he should improve in that area and being you know barely 18 i have faith that he will um offensively i i think he's a really good passer too um yeah you know you know, he, he, he wasn't, he's not going to run an offense, but, you know, passing on that short roll, running the occasional pick and roll, um, you know, he, he can create off the dribble. And I, I think his shot has some work, and I think he was kind of working on, you know, revamping that this season. But when he doesn't have to think about a shot and he just kind of goes with what feels right, um, he, he's more successful, you know, when he, when he shot off the dribble, he was in the... 70th percentile and when he shot off the catch he was in the 54th so when he tries to line it up and make sure that everything's going the way it should be you know he'll he tends to overthink it and he leaves it short whereas when he's pulling up off the dribble he's able to elevate over his defender pretty easily and and you know knock it in from the mid-range pretty effortlessly so that that's really encouraging um for his future growth especially with his age and just overall he's got a ton of room to grow um, I think your point about him being a project is really important. I don't think he'll be one of these guys that's, you know, plug and play from day one. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a bit of a project, and, you know, fans will probably get frustrated. It's like, why is our lottery pick not out on the floor 20-plus minutes a game? It's like, well, because he's still a teenager and has a lot of growth to do, and you don't want to kind of shatter what he's working on. Um so I, I, I think if the Wolves got him at 17, I think that'd be a steal. Yeah, yeah. But fans would also need to temper their expectations because the odds of him playing right away would probably be pretty low. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, if he, if he lasts till 17, then then that'll be, yeah, a steal for Minnesota. And I think it'd probably be good for his development if he went a little bit later just because there'd be less expectations, you know, than... Yeah. If he went at nine, like like you said, if your ninth pick in the draft is kind of playing in eighteen minutes a game, uh, questions start to be raised about why, and, and if he's not good enough to play any any more, then why wasn't he? Why was he chosen so high? But at right. seven at seventeen, I think um, the pressure's off him a little bit, especially with Minnesota because they'll have obviously another pick in in the mix, the number one pick or or someone they traded for that number one pick for. Um, so if he slipped to seven, I think Minnesota will be a really good spot for him. And I think Minnesota have a whole just in power for, at power forward in general, not just as a starting power forward, but as a as a backup power forward as well. Yeah. And I think he'd be a really good backup power forward on this team and give him give him time to kind of learn through his mistakes, but but also not I guess cost the team wins while while doing that by playing thirty five minutes a game. Yeah. Um. All right, so who's your next guy after after Pat Will? 
All right, he's the inverse of draft Twitter's Obi Toppin. He is Alexei Pokashevsky, <laughs> uh, the the seven foot Serbian freak. Um, and this dude is a freak in nature. I mean, <laughs> not athletically, but just when you see him and then see what he does with the ball, you you think someone just messed with video editing and it's like create a player out there. Um, <laughs> an incredible wingspan. He's seven feet tall, hundred ninety pounds, moves like a guard. Uh, you know, he can pull up from three. He's a really creative passer and ball handler. Um, you know, when, when he, he can run in transition, he can, you know, kick it out of the post, relocate, knock down a step back three. Um, so I, he's going to be really intriguing as a guy. I, I think he's going to be a much bigger project than some people yeah. seem to think i've seen some people have him as like high as two or three which i think is absurd i have him 15 overall um and his length suggests that he should be a pretty good shot blocker but he's super inconsistent on defense and he gets blown by it all the time uh regularly avoids contact and then you know and he's he's playing on like the greek third division i think it was yeah. uh so you know, some of the guys here he was playing against are wider than they are tall. So, you know, just the level of competition, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's the same league that Giannis came out of, and, you know, that worked out pretty well. But Giannis wasn't, you know, who he is now. Um, so, I, and, Gian- I, and Giannis I, can't be used as, like, a, a baseline. Right, right. Like, he's a, <laughs> he's a freak story that, that kind of uh, – he's a once-in-a-lifetime story. Right. Yeah, so, like, well, I don't think – the level of competition should be completely disregarded. I think it does need to be factored in because some yeah. of the stuff that he's doing, you know, he he wouldn't get away with in, you know, if he was playing in France even. Um, yeah. So I mean, he, he's prone to the highlight play, which can result in some really bad turnovers. And maybe that's just a symptom of him being bored playing against these guys who are so far below his league. Um, but... Yeah, and I, I have him at 15, and uh, it's kind of like in that range of, hey, let's take a flyer on this guy because he's super talented and a lot of fun to watch. And if he hits, he could be absolutely incredible because, you know, there are very few people in the league who are like him. Yeah, that that last point is is pretty much my, my mantra with Poku is just, like, at some point you have to take a swing on someone – like Pogosevsky, like at some point you ha- you can't keep overlooking the fact that he's like a made in the lab. Like, right? He's obviously, like you said, like he's humongous. Like his movement and and like hand eye coordination and vision and stuff is otherworldly for a guy at seven foot. Like it, he he's one of them guys. Like when you explain him without watching him like we are now, if, if anyone's listening who hasn't watched any of, of him, you kind of think to yourself, like, why isn't this guy the first overall pick? Like, when you hear that he can pass yeah. and shoot off the dribble, like, he can run, pick and roll, he, like, can block a shot off the backboard, like, catch a shot midair, take the rebound, beat everyone up the court for a layup. Like, he is a nutty prospect, yeah. but then he's just got, like... So many head scratching decisions, like round the back passes when no one's there. Um, the the defense is like you said, just so inconsistent. Like two point eight blocks and two steals per thirty six minutes. So obviously he he flashed a lot of defensive playmaking. 
um, for Olympiakos, but he he takes a lot of plays off. He he loses guys really easily. Like he's going to get blown by a lot in the NBA, and he's going to probably be a pretty bad team defender. I think on a on a play by play basis with a lot of crazy blocks or you know like jumping a passing lane kind of mixed in with 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 huge lapses on defense um not strong enough to guard me at the moment like <laughs> like he's rail thin and he, he's gonna get um he's gonna get destroyed if teams try and try and use him as that that uh unicorn and play him as a five i think no, he, will get, he will get obliterated like i think yeah, he's well, more well, well. I think he's more of a three than a five. I think he might even be more of a three than a four. But at, yeah. se- at seven foot, like you kind of just have to play him as a four. Like, and he's, he's right. And if bo- you're throwing him on small forwards, he's going to get yeah, toast. yeah. But he kind of yeah, he he's just an enigma. Like that's the only way I can describe Poku. He's just an enigma, and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of the league in three years, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's all NBA in three years. Like. He probably yeah. he probably lands somewhere in between that, but like that's the range he has. Like he's the opposite of a safe pick, I think. And yeah, and absolutely. In the late lottery, like I have him at thirteen, just just below uh, Pat Williams. Um, I think I don't think you you can leave the lottery and, and leave poker on the board, especially if you're a team like like New Orleans at, at eleven, who kind of have their core set like. Even like, if he gets to seventeen and Minnesota pass on him, I'll be distraught because <laughs> like he's one of them guys where I just think like he'll be fun to watch on your team, and there is a you know five ten percent chance that he ends up uh, a, a player we've never seen before. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, and even if if you fell to 16 at Portland, I think Portland would be a tough one because they'd have yeah. the, those big men with Zach Collins and Nurkic. They, you know, could kind of cover for him in the paint or defensively. Yeah. You know, that, that'd be fun. Um, Minnesota and him and Towns would I, be, um, it wouldn't be good. Probably, probably a disaster defensively, but maybe the craziest offense of all time. <laughs> like yeah, those I, two, those two could come off like pin downs on either side of the floor. Like two seven footers shooting the like his percentages aren't that good. Percentage I don't have him right here, but I think off the top of my head they're like thirty four percent from three or something. But like his shot versatility is completely bonkers. Like he can shoot off the dribble threes from deep behind the line. Like he can run off pin downs like a guard. Like having him and Towns on the same floor together offensively would be wild at times. And like. If you had like an offensive mastermind behind it, like um, a friend the from Prep to Pro podcast and obviously runs um page a Patreon as well, uh, PD Webb, he spoke about yeah. it a bit on, on the Prep to Pro podcast. Like, yeah, if you could get a an offensive mind like a like a Dan Tony or or someone like that behind Carl Anthony Towns and 
uh, Alexi Poker says to you, like, you could end up having one of the best offenses ever. Like, because right. there's... And, you know, he's 18, so, you know, odds are, even though he's got that super lanky frame, he's going to add some muscle and strength. Yeah. So, you know, just having that length on the interior, you know, hope maybe he improves defensively eventually. Yeah. You know, that uh, that's a lot of length to try and finish over or around at the rim. Um, too, but yeah, and I just have his shooting numbers. What I'm seeing is 40% from the field, 78% from the line, and 32% on four 32. and a half attempts from three. Yeah, so it's not, it's, it doesn't inspire much confidence, especially considering, like we said, like he plays in the Greek second or third division. So, like, it's, I think it's probably a good chance he shoots like 35% from the field and maybe like, yeah, but like it's, it's, it's looking into the future with Poku. Um, even more so than than Patrick Williams, I think, just because, yeah, I'm pretty sure his numbers are going to be bad in his first year, but he can also do things that that I've never seen guys his height do. So, yeah, and it, it it's a lot of bull bull vibes. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's that is um a, a good comparison. Obviously, with a, with a little bit less height, I think, than bull bull, right. but like the the length, you know, and the crazy kind of shooting, like. It's yeah, it's so hard to project where he'll go, but I, I think he, right. I think in the late lottery, it's just a good pick because if he doesn't work out, like how many late lottery guys don't work out a ton? Right, you're so, not expected to at that point, really. Yeah, yeah, like and if he hits, it's an absolute steal. Um, it, it is Giannis, like if he hits, just yeah. because you know it's one of them guys. Like just you just take a swing on him, and if you hit a home run, then um, you know you're happy, and if you don't, well, then you you kind of didn't waste a, a really high pick. Like, the guys who are really high on him, uh, I don't think... I think if you're a GM and you're taking him in the top five... Um, you're going to get fired. You, you're you're going to get fired for it, yeah. Like, unless he hits on his 90th, like 90th percentile outcome, um, which he probably won't for five years anyway. Like, you're out the door. Right. Exactly. Um, so, I'm guessing our last guy... Oh, no, you... So, who was your last guy? Uh, my last guy is Precious. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll, do, we'll go with Precious first. I don't have Precious on my list. He He's a very close sixth. He's still in my top 20 as well, but but outside of, of my top five power forwards. But he's a guy I'm writing about as we speak, so so I'm really interested to see your thoughts on him. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited to read what your kind of deep dive has on him. Um, you know, I wrote like two weeks ago on him and Paul Reed over at Can of Soups. Go check it out. Um, I, do, you know, the more, the more, <laughs> the more I watch uh, Precious, you know, he's just, he works his ass off. You know, he's another one of these guys <laughs> who just has an incredible nonstop motor and he's a freak athlete, you know, to pair with it. And at six nine two twenty five, the dude is built. He can move, um, you know, really strong rebounder, great athlete, uh, can run in transition with ease. Um, he's going to be he, – he's very rough around the edges. You know, his ball handling needs to tighten up. His outside shooting needs to be tight or improve pretty drastically. Um, I don't think he'll ever be a, you know, quote-unquote good three-point shooter. Uh, but if he can be competent from the corner, I think that would be massive. Um and I love his defensive potential, um, his, his size, his athleticism, his work rate, um, his shot blocking is really impressive, and just his eagerness to grab and go. 
I, I think adds kind of a, a new dimension to, you know, turning defense into offense. Um, that, you know, so, something that the Wolves don't have right now um, and something that Ryan Saunders in their little mini bubble, uh, you know, talked about that they wanted to do more with, you know, their kind of more of a grab-and-go mentality. Um, yeah. And he would he would definitely help with that. Um, I, I think next to Towns, he would help defensively. Um, you know, he, he's still pretty raw and needs some coaching on the defensive end. But, you know, when he's locked in, it, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, he, he'll definitely make an, a positive impact. And then, you know, he can even play that small ball five uh, if they want to kind of spread the floor out and just kind of have him be that screen man and open up the lane for either a hard roll for him or drives or cuts. So I mean, he, he's very raw. But just I, I love his size and um, motor. Yeah, yeah. Um, I completely agree. I mean, the the first thing that I wrote down in my notes when I was just watching Memphis um was that the precious is kind of like a thunderstorm. Like at times he's yeah, beautiful and he's he's great to watch, but he's also like destructive, and <laughs> you're just not sure, you know, like how bad or how good he's going to be at any given time, like. He, I, I share your sentiments that he's just a very impressive, very impressive athlete. Like six foot nine, he's strong as an ox. Like he's a mm-hmm. big dude. I know, I know. We've kind of gone like back and forth this whole podcast on like skinny dudes and, and massive dudes, but <laughs> but Precious is like the biggest of the lot. Like he he stood out on a court that had James Wiseman on it. Yeah, which is you know the one of the better compliments you can get in terms of physical tools and then obviously he's super quick like as quick as any six foot nine dude 225 pound you know player should be getting up the court in transition um like you said taking the board and 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 running is is probably the thing that impresses me the most about him and, and something that i think will translate immediately he needs to be a better ball handler so that he can get all the way to the ring because and he just needs to stay on control a lot more like he's very prone to to getting his footwork all, all messed up or kind of tripping over a little bit or, or just getting a little bit of tunnel vision going towards the rim and, and making the mistake he kind of reminds me of like a jock Cody at times when when a Cody's going yeah. towards the rim and it just kind of all unravels pretty quickly for him but but then at other times when it works it, it, it looks really good because the athleticism's there and, and the power is there. He is a great rebounder. I, I love his nose for the ball as a rebounder. Um, like you said, needs to needs to become a better shooter. Not sure he ever will, but yeah, there's a baseline there that's not completely non-shooter level. Like if he could get to thirty-three percent on a couple attempts a game, you know that at least opens up a few more avenues for him to score offensively because I, I do think he'll be fairly offensively challenged, uh, especially early on in his yeah. career. Um, he'll get putbacks. He'll he'll probably get, you know, dump-offs in, in the dunk his spot and stuff like that, but I'm not sure he'll ever be able to kind of... I'm pretty positive he's not going to be able to create his own shot. He's a guy who who, who needs the ball given to him to, to do something, but the energy is infectious. Like mm-hmm. the the way he plays is infectious. It's it's something that I do th- I do think Minnesota will take a long look at Precious, especially if he's there at seventeen. Um, 
because that's something this team does need. Like they need someone yeah. who can who can come in and kind of you know throw caution to the wind defensively. Uh, he great defensive instincts, great defensive playmaker. Um, not as pronounced as Poku, but like on a possession to possession basis, I, I do think he's not. He's not excellent. Like he, he definitely has lapses in, in judgment and, yeah. and and times where I think he's a bit over eager to 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 hit make the home run play rather than just being solid. But in general, um, I think he'll be a really good defensive player. I think he's one of them players where if he goes into an open workout and hits, you know, sixty out of a hundred threes, he might get taken at like ten or something. Like yeah, because. His body type is very valuable in today's NBA, and like you said, like easily could be a small ball five with with his size. Um, yeah, I'm a precious fan. I, I don't have him on my list. I ha- I, he he was the next guy I would have had, um, but I think Precious is a, a whirlwind. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what else yeah. to say about it. He's just a whirlwind to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so. We'll get into my last guy quickly, then we'll do our, our sleepers. Um, my last guy is Sadiq Bay. We didn't mention him on the small forward podcast because we both kind of agreed that he's he's more of a four at the next level. Um, six yep. foot six foot eight, two hundred fifteen pounds, uh, six foot eleven wingspan. I've I've got him at uh, eighteen on my board, maybe or seventeen. Uh, flip flopped a couple of times on him back and forth. Right now, I'm on the higher side of of Bay. I'm not a big believer in his ability to be a, a three and D small forward prospect like he's kind of built by a lot of you know sources. Um, mainly because I'm pretty iffy about his perimeter defense. I don't think mm-hmm. he'll be able to stay in front of uh, wings who can handle the ball really well. Um, I think he's more suited to a power forward role, and I think he has enough strength to kind of thrive as a small ball four in the modern game. Um, I think his passing is one thing that stands out for me outside of of the obvious shooting um, is that he, he's a really good passer, I think. Not not a playmaker yeah. or, or a initiator by, by any stretch, but someone who really makes the right read. And Villanova's offense has always been uh, very good and kind of produces players who, who play the game the right way and who play to win. So that that's a tick for me obviously but the the key skill for bay is his shooting um 86 percentile as a spot up guy 79th percentile coming off screens 88th percentile in the, in handoff action 45% from 3 overall on on 5.6 attempts per game it's for me it's a, it's a bankable skill and as a guy who has genuine size to play as a as a 4 or even a you know a 3 in in some scenarios um, I think it's pretty valuable to, to be a, a, a high thirties, maybe low forties three point shooter on, on decent volume. So um, I'm pretty low on his, on his self creation as a scorer, and I think he he won't get you know the post ups and stuff that Villanova run. Um, yeah. He won't he won't get any of those at the next level. But uh, yeah, he does finish well around the rim when he does get there. When he I don't think he'll get there a lot at the NBA, but but yeah, he's he's the kind of guy I think can just play solid defense at the four, hit threes at a really good rate, um, and pass a little bit and, and make a few plays for others and kind of get his own shot in the mid range here and there. So I just think he's a, he's a pretty safe pick at you know late lottery or, or you know fifteen to twenty range. He's a pretty safe pick for me. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I have him 19 overall. Um, I, I I love his off his off ball shooting, and the the numbers speak for themselves. Um, I I think he's a little more dynamic with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, I, I think he's pretty good at getting to the rim. I think he can run the pick and roll pretty effortlessly. Um, he, he's he's a quality passer. You know, everyone who comes out of Villanova tends to be. Um, I don't love his shot off the dribble. Um, you know, some of that's shot selection where he kind of gets blinders on and. Um, only looks for his own shots at times, which, you know, I, I don't expect that to carry over because his role won't dictate that. And if it does, yeah. he'll sit his ass on the bench. Um, <laughs> I think he's an okay defender. I don't think he, I mean, he's not bad, but I think he was a huge beneficiary of Villanova's just really strong team defense. Um, yeah. I think he's know, really, I, I, I think he's really not good at getting, getting through screens as a pick and roll defender. Yeah. And, and like that's why I think that he he can't really guard threes cons- constantly, consistently. Yeah, yeah, and he he's not going to be that that lockdown, you know, versatile defender. And his body type and athleticism will allow him to kind of switch on multiple guys. And and he's a strong guy, so he can defend in the post. Um, but he's he's not going to be your you know defensive linchpin. Um, he'll get beat on drives. And stuff. So I, I I think he's a good defender. I don't think he's as great as you know some people are hyping him up as. Um, just overall, he's he's just a solid player um, who's smart and I anticipate will know his role and will just kind of contribute to a rotation pretty well for you know a couple of contracts. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And that at that um, you know that fifteen to twenty range, if you can get a guy who who gets ten years in the NBA, I think you've done pretty well. Oh, yeah, that's a major win. Yeah. Um, so who's, who is your first sleeper of your only sleeper? Okay, so my first sleeper, a uh, guy who would probably be have a lottery grade for me if he wasn't hurt every other month, uh, Killian Tilly um, is just a, I have him at 44 overall, so kind of mid-second round. You know, if he would have shown any sort of consistent health, um, you know, he, he would probably would have been top 15 for me and he, he can space the floor. He's an excellent passer, a uh, good rebounder, um, you know, not, not a good defender, but big enough where he can kind of, kind of, you know, control the interior. Um, and I think, I think re- defensively, defensively, he kind of reminds me of like a, a Nikola Jokic where he kind of, yeah. He's big and he's lumbering and he's slow, but he's also very smart and, and very good yeah. with his hands. So he kind of stops himself from being like the worst defender on the court, whereas he's just not a good defender, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I kind of get some like Boris DL vibes out of him yeah. too. I, he, he's 6'10", 220, so I mean, he, he's a big dude. Um, and he looks bigger I, than he, 220. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, he, he's... Can he's a really versatile scorer. Um, you know he can when when he gets the ball at the top of the key and is allowed to face up. Um, you know Gonzaga, I think scored essentially nearly every time when he got that because he was able to knock down a three, um, find cutters, find guys spotting up. You know he's a really really good passer. Um, the the guy's just never been healthy in his life. Um. So and if he's there in the second round, I'd absolutely take a flyer on him. But to spend a first round 
pick on him uh, for a guy who's never proven that he can stay on the floor um, would be pretty tough to convince me to do. Yeah, um, I I love Killian Tilly. He I have him twenty nine yeah. on my board, so so just inside that first round, just because similar to to what I said with Poku, like at some point you just has to take a flyer on him on this in this draft, like when there's not that many kind of superstar prospects or even or even I think there is good depth in this draft, but like like you said, Tilly Tilly with full bill of health is a surefire lottery pick. He probably is drafted two years ago. Like he yeah. I think the only reason why he stayed um in Gonzaga was just because he he couldn't stay healthy and I don't think GMs could promise him a first round pick, or you know, even promise him to be picked at any stage, just because it's it's hard with a guy that big and a, and a host of foot and leg and knee injuries. Um, I think he's had five or six or seven maybe since he started, uh, since he began college. Like, but yeah, he he's an awesome player. Like, yeah. he can shoot. He's a great shooter. Like for a big man, yeah. he's got a clean release. Uh, he'll be a Healthy Tilly is a pick and pop menace. Like he, great high low pass. They run a lot of high low action uh, in yeah. Gonzaga, and, and he just just crushed it when he was the the high passer in, in the high low um, play. And yeah, he's he's just a fun player to watch. If he he could be a massive steal if if he's just one of those guys that just ends up staying healthy with you know better. Uh, medical professionals and stuff around him, but I think it's it's pretty fair to expect that that won't be him, um, just because it's yeah. it's not they haven't been freak accidents, you know they've been like muscle injuries and, and and ligament injuries, like stuff that that's really concerning when you when you're yeah. not even in the most physical league in the in the NBA yet, like so it's it's concerning it's it's annoying that, that he's injured yeah. because he's just it's such so, a good player. Yeah, and he's such a good player. Like, I think, I think he might even be one of them guys where, like, like maybe next year, everyone will be like, "Wow, like, why didn't people draft Killian Tilly?" But then in yeah. three years, they'll be like, "Yeah, well, I hope so." That's why they didn't because he he lasted two years and he was really good for those two years, and then he was he was out of the league. But um, yeah, I'm a huge Tilly fan. I'd take him yeah. at thirty. I'd take him at thirty three without a second thought because I think I would too. Like at thir- especially if they've used both of their picks, like if if they don't end up dra- uh, trading down or trading out on draft night, like if like you may as well just throw caution to the wind and take Tilly. Like he's better than Nasreed. I love Nasreed, yeah, but like absolutely. healthy Tilly is definitely better than Nasreed. Um, he, he does everything that Reed does just way better. Um, and then you can you know if he doesn't work out and he gets injured, like. He, it's not it's not a huge mistake. Like you pick him at thirty three, you've got Reed there, um, who can adequately play as a backup center as well. So, um, yeah, I think if you're looking at sleepers, if you're looking at a guy who who will go a lot lower than his um, his talent level, um, yeah, Tilly's that guy. Yeah. Um, all right. So my sleeper is uh, Reggie Perry, Mississippi State. Um, Love it. Six foot nine, two hundred and fifty pounds, which I didn't know he was that big. Like, yeah, he's, he's uh, like low. he looked, he looked big, obviously. But like two hundred fifty, <laughs> two hundred fifty is massive. Like seven foot wingspan. Um, he's probably more of a center than than a power forward, but there, there wasn't that many power forward 
uh, sleepers that I, that I really like. So I thought I'd just kind of throw him in here because I think he might be able to play a little bit of both. Um, he's just a really fun guy to watch. Um, someone, I think, who would carve out a nice little role in the NBA at some point. Um, he averaged 17, 10, 2 assists, uh, 1.2 blocks at Mississippi State. Um, really was the guy who consistently stood out to me when I went to watch uh, Robert Woodard. Yeah. Um, it was Perry that kind of jumped off the screen and he's only 20. He, he's a sophomore. He's only 20. Um, he's good in the post, um, can hit the hook with either hand. He has some nice little baseline kind of fall away jumpers as well. Um, he's going to work tirelessly to clean up misses on, on, on both offensive and defensive glass. Um, he's a good hard roller who, who will just get buckets based on his ability to, to hammer guards with a, with a tough screen and then, um, pivot out of it and get to the rim like he's he's you can feel his screens um for for the next few days i'd say uh he he ranked in the 67 percentile in catch and shoot situations and in the 85th percentile in spot up so i think there's there's real potential for him to improve on the 32 percent that he shot in college on about uh two three points two three pointers attempts a game so I think the bad things for him or the, the things that kind of have him slip into like mid forties and you know, fifties on, on draft boards is that he's, he's quite sloppy with his decision making. I think both offensively and defensively. Um, he, he, his shot selection is not great. I think he, he needs to work on, on his defensive awareness and rotations. Um, I, he's, he doesn't really have a, a single skill that, that pops, and I think that might be the, the main reason why he has slid down mock drafts and slid down boards. It's just because he's kind of a jack of all trade, a jack of all trades, master of none, and uh, as a big guy who isn't guaranteed to shoot from three well, I think not having, not being a great defender or or a good three point shooter, kind of, it's tough for a big man these days. Um, it's that one of those skills you seem to need to be able to do fairly well. Um, and I'm not sure he will do either fairly, fairly well, but he's still a guy that I've watched. And I just think like this guy shouldn't be going in the fifties. Like he's, he's good, man. <laughs> he's good yeah. at basketball. And he, I think he'll, he'll be a backup four, backup five um, for, for a fairly long time. Yeah. So I, I currently have him at 57. He's probably been one of, if not the biggest movers for me. Um, and I, I early in the season, I had him as like high as twenty. Um, I was super high on him. Love his playmaking. Love his rebounding. Uh, love his, you know, stretch potential and interior scoring. Um, just the more I watch him, though, the more you know, I just noticed that he took himself out of games by just getting frustrated. Um, you know, when when things the second things start going against him, he gets visibly frustrated, takes himself out of games, and then his decision-making just plummets. He'll just throw the ball out of bounds. He'll completely miss a rotation. You know, he'll stay tight on his guy instead of dropping or switching in the pick and roll, um, which are all things that he's super capable of doing and does when, you know, things are clicking and they're playing well. And he looks awesome, but then, you know, he has a couple turnovers, has an offensive foul or two go against him. And he just immediately takes himself out of the game. So, you know, early in the season, I was like, holy shit, this is like the next fan at a bio. And, you know, he has that skill set. He's this big man who can initiate the offense and run in transition and 
dominate the boards, and it's like, oh, Bam, or he doesn't have any of the mental makeup that Bam does. Yeah. Um, Which so, is so think, super important for, for players yeah, like that. Yeah. So, I mean, while I think his skill set is similar, even and he's a better shooter, just he, he doesn't have that confidence or that competitiveness. Um, you know, maybe it's just a situation where he hated Mississippi State and just wanted to get the hell out of there um, and was sick of his teammates or hated his coach or something like that, you know. But I, the skill level is there in my mind where he should be probably a first-round talent based solely on his skill level. And, you know, 57 is probably way too low to have him. I should probably move him up. Um, but just seeing, you know, a month stretch of games where he just routinely took himself out of games um, and just got demonstrably frustrated just yeah. really kind of soured my taste on him. Yeah, and, and, and that's something that when you're already a guy who's you know, second round pick, projected second round pick, like, yeah, that's something that, G- that GMs see, and, and that is something that could end up um, seeing you go undrafted, like, if you can't um, keep your head in a game and and really focus, because as as we've seen with Minnesota, with, with guys like Wiggins and, and even Towns at times, like, they're guys who are elite, elite talents. And yeah. And their mental makeup has let them down. In Andrew Wiggins' case, severely let him down. Like so frustrated. Uh, yeah. So for a guy who's not even close to that talent level, um, for their mental makeup to kind of not be where it needs to be, that that's definitely worrying. I think. Yeah. So I and mean, if we could find a way to kind of merge Perry and Precious, I think <laughs> yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I think I think we're good to go. I'm sure that science is right on the verge of that breakthrough. Uh, I'm sure like Gerson Rosas is like developing that <laughs> in his office somewhere. Um, all right. So so who was your list uh, overall? Who was your one, two, three, four, five, and six? All right. So I got Denny, Obi, Patrick Williams. I, I you know the more I think about it, I'll probably end up switching those. Uh, and then Alexei Pokashevsky, Precious Achua, and then Killian Tilly. Yeah, so, um, and mine was uh, Denny, uh, Pat Williams, Poku, Sadiq Bay, Obi Toppin, and then Reggie Perry. And if we're looking at it through a Timberwolves lens, who would you take in order? Uh, I would go Denny. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that, that's a shocker. I know. I feel like I came out of left field with that one. Um, <laughs> I go Denny, Pat Will. Uh, Precious, probably Sadiq Bay, Killian Tilly, Reggie Perry, Obi. <laughs> um, yeah, I found this hard. Like, I think Denny's number one, and I'm not completely like steadfast in that, but I think I think he'd be the first guy I took out of that list. Then I think uh, Pat Williams, Poku, Sadiq Bay. Uh, Toppin and then Reggie Perry. I think I'd probably take Toppin just because there is some some nuclear upside, I guess, with his offense. But Poku and Pat Williams is the one that that I that gave me pause. Like there is part of me that thinks Poku is a top ten player in 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 the draft, and I think with Minnesota, like I explained before, like I think the offense could be crazy good, uh, and the defense probably doesn't even get that much worse than it already is. Yeah. Like, 
Like he's, I think he's a better defender than like Juan Johan Gomez, for for example. So, um, I'd love poker. <laughs> the more yeah, I think about he's it, fun. He's the fun. The more I think about it, the more I just think like, yeah, like he's fun. You like, talk and, yourself into him. Yeah, and like Minnesota basketball's been not fun for a long time. <laughs> no. So like poker would just be fun to watch. So true. I, we I we absolutely need some fun in our lives. Yeah, and I don't know how many more games they win, but like they don't ever win games. So. <laughs> yeah. um, so nothing really changes. Yeah. Um, well, leave it at that. Um, that was, I think that was another really good episode. Um, I'm happy that that you got to come in and, and I had get to hear your full thoughts on Denny because I, I, yeah, I know I how much it. you like him and it, and it, and I really always like listening to to both sides. Like you said, with like Dane Moore and stuff. Like he obviously yeah. wasn't high on Denny. Um, some people aren't high on him. Some people are really high on him, like you. And I think um, it's it's really valuable to to get both sides of the story. Um, but totally yeah, we'll, um, we'll leave it at that. Everyone else, everyone listening, thanks for listening. Um, like, rate, subscribe, comment. Like, rating rating in the iTunes um, does a lot for the for the growth of the podcast. So if you, are, if you are listening to this on on, um, on iTunes, uh, just leave a five-star rating down the bottom or, you know, a one-star rating if you hate me, whatever. Um, but yeah, thanks, thanks for listening. Um, thanks as usual, Tyler. You're the best, man. My pleasure, Jake.